And I uh, want to take today, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. And uh, this is something that's, if, if you've been coming to Crosspoint very long, none of this is new information. In fact, everything that I'm going to say today I've said at some point in different sermons and probably even in recent sermons over this last year. But it is a reminder for us to refocus, a reminder for us to be realigned on what is the purpose? What is the mission of the church? Like, why do we as a church exist? Well, biblically, like we can look at, there's many things that, that the church exists for. Uh, one of those things, particularly, though, is what we're going to emphasize and talk about today, and that is the emphasis of the church of making disciples, uh, of preaching the gospel, of seeing people come to faith in Christ, and then it doesn't stop there. In fact, when someone becomes a believer, that is the very beginning. The church has been commissioned by Jesus to go and to make disciples, teach all nations, which means to disciple it means to teach it means to point people to christ point people to god's word and this is the purpose and this is the mission of us as a church to make disciples and as i look out and see here of, of those of you that are sitting in here and many of you guys have come to faith in christ here at cross point you've been baptized here and you're continuing, and now you are bringing others and giving the gospel to others, and you're, you're, you're discipling others, and that is what the church should look like. That is what Christ has commissioned for us as a church to do. So we're going to look at that, and hopefully this is a message that will just reemphasize and realign us to what is our purpose as a church. It's a new year. But our mission is the same. Our mission is the same to make disciples. In Matthew uh, chapter 28, so this is, Christ has resurrected, right? Christ has now appeared to his disciples and he's appeared to, uh, Corinthians tells us, sheds more light on it, says that he's appeared to over 500 people. This is the resurrected Christ and now Christ is about to ascend back to heaven. But he is going to commission his disciples and his followers now. And he's going to tell them your purpose. The reason I'm leaving you here is for you to make disciples of the nations. Now, I must point this out that he is not only talking to the 11 disciples, right? The 12 minus Judas. Judas has already betrayed him. Judas has already taken his own life because of the overwhelming guilt and shame. So th this message is not just to the 11. And we know this for several reasons. Well, we see all throughout the New Testament that we as believers are commanded and commissioned to give the gospel, to preach the gospel, to, to not be silent and private about our faith but to be the light, to be a voice, to preach the gospel. But even more specifically, there is a beautiful passage in John chapter 17. This is Christ in the garden of Gethsemane when he is praying to the Father. And in this beautiful prayer that Jesus, God the Son, is praying to God the, the Father. In this prayer, he's praying for his disciples. 
He's praying that they would have strength. And he's saying that they're, they're going to stay in the world. You're not taking them out, but we're, we're sending them into the world. And he's praying for strength. And he's praying that, that the Father would keep them. And he's praying that they would be unified. But in that prayer, Jesus transitions to not just praying for the 11 disciples. But in that prayer, he prays for not just the disciples, the 11 disciples, but for all of those that are coming after them, that are going to believe their words, that are going to believe the words of Jesus, and that they are going to continue doing what Jesus has commissioned the 11 disciples to do. So that being said, just as an introduction, we as a church have been commissioned that this, what is known as the Great Commission, this commission is not just for the 11. Now, yes, he's talking to the 11 disciples here, but, but more importantly, he's talking to all of us. That we as a church have been given this great commission. Let's start in verse number 16. By the way, it's good to see Mike and Vicki uh, with us today. And speaking of the Great Commission, God called them about a year ago to go and help a church that's, that's being planted uh, in the Donahue area. And so while we were, had mixed feelings because we missed them, we're thankful that, that, that God's using them, that disciples are being multiplied, churches are, are being planted. But it's great, great having you guys. We think about you often. And it's good seeing you guys uh, today. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples, they went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. So this is post-resurrection of Christ. He's already appeared to them. They've already uh, seen him. And remember, Thomas doubted and said he wasn't there. And he's like, ah, I'm not going to believe until I see it with my eyes and touch the nail prints. And, and so this is after those events. Jesus had appointed them to meet at, at a hillside in Galilee. And he's going to now commission these disciples to go out. What we know as the Great Commission. To go and to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. And it says when they saw him, they worshipped him. Because he is God. They, and and if, you, if you hung around him for three years... And he made all these God claims and these claims that they didn't truly understand all of them at the time. But basically he predicted how he was going to die and then come back from the dead. And if you hung around with somebody for three years that made those claims and you saw them die and then you saw them appear again, you and I would do the same. At least I hope that we would. We would recognize there's something significant that he is more than just a man. That Jesus' resurrection from the dead proved that his claims were true, proved that he was God. And so what did they do? They fell and they worshiped him. But look at this phrase. But some doubt it. Uh, like they still had this a little bit of unbelief or maybe fear of just not understanding everything. But what I love about this is that, that Jesus still commissions them. That Jesus is patient with them and gracious, even in the midst of Still some, some unbelief. It says some doubt it. But yet Jesus comes to them and Jesus came. And he spake unto them saying. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now this verse is key. 
Because if verse 18 is not true, then the commission to go out and preach the gospel in his name is really pointless. But Jesus says, all authority, all power is given to me. Now this power, it's more than just dunamis or strength and might. It is that, but it's also an authoritative power. Jesus is saying all power. Yes, he has all power and all strength, but it's more than that. He's saying, I have all authority because he raised from the dead. That God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And now Jesus says, I have all power and authority. It's given unto me in heaven and in earth. That Jesus has all authority. He has the power and authority. So if you would look at this like an illustration, think about, think about some of the best athletes that we think of. But probably pro-athletes. Probably, and maybe there's some debate on which sport has the best athletes, right? But, but think about pro football players. I mean, these guys are powerful dudes. Like, they're, they're massive, and yet they're athletic. And, and these guys are powerful. But you know what? They still have to abide by the rules. And little skinny old men with a whistle, they have the authority when they're on the field. And so while they have the power to move the ball down the field, they have the, the strength, they have the skill, they have to operate under the authority of what the rules of the game are, of what the referees are going to allow them to do and not do. Because they got those yellow flags they're going to throw, right, if they don't abide by the rules. Well, Jesus here is saying he not only has the power and the strength, but he has all authority. That all this authority is given to him because Jesus is God. So those that are maybe fearful and some that are even doubting still, Jesus is saying this, I am commissioning you and I have all power. It's given to me from the Father. He says, I have power. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now here we have the commission. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That means to disciple. Discipling is, is teaching. A, a disciple of Christ is a learner or a follower of Christ. And Jesus is commissioning the disciples. He's commissioning his church to go. To make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So as people come to a saving belief in Jesus Christ... He's saying, I want you to baptize them. The, the baptism is, is that pledge of allegiance. The physical waters of baptism doesn't save anyone. But that is that pledge of allegiance. That is the identific identification that someone is a follower of Christ. That happens after someone believes, by the way. It's after someone understands and believes the gospel that, 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 that makes a profession of faith. Then they're to be baptized because what happens at salvation is there's a change of heart. It happens on the inside. And so what the baptism does is that pledge of allegiance saying, I'm a follower of Christ. Baptism is always, even, even before Christ, you see baptism, like the baptism of John. And, and you have even baptism of, of, of even in the Old Testament. And baptism 
is always a sign of you are identifying with a message. So when Jesus says to baptize those that believe, baptizing disciples, it's those that are identifying publicly that they are a follower of Christ, that they are a disciple. He says baptizing them in the name, singular, but then he says the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So this is once again one of those passages showing that harmony and unity with the Father, Son, and Spirit. He's saying baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And it doesn't stop there. Right? You're going to teach them. And the implication is they're going to, there are some that are going to believe the gospel. And they're going to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then they're publicly going to identify that they're a follower of Christ through baptism. But that's not where it stops. That's the beginning. He says, then you're going to teach them to observe all the things, whatever I've commanded you. So it doesn't stop with just trusting Christ and identifying as a follower by being baptized. Then it's the teaching. That's when we see, and it's not just a human effort, right? It's the Holy Spirit of God is, is bringing light to people. And the Holy Spirit of God is changing people from the inside out. But our job as a church then is to not just see people come to know Christ, get baptized, and then, okay, you're good. Your ticket's punched. Don't need to worry about anything. No, that's just the beginning. Then it's to teach. It's to disciple, to help nurture, to walk with people, to do life with people. It's to see that change in people as we ourselves are being changed. And this is the beauty of it. Because discipling people, help walking with people, seeing them grow in, in, in their Christian faith, we're doing that as the same time we ourselves are growing. And, and, and you know what? I look out here, at, at, and I know pretty much everybody in, in the room uh, today, and, and I can honestly say, like, I hope, I think that I have helped disciple you this last year. But you know what? You have helped disciple me. I feel that I am closer to God, that I know God's word more, that I feel like I'm a, a better Christian, not in the sense of like a, a scorecard, but I feel closer to God because of our relationship. And that's what, that's how discipleship works, right? As you're teaching, as you're walking with people and encouraging them and helping them to be accountable, not in a judgy way, but, but in a, a brotherly way of keeping people accountable, you yourself are being held accountable. You yourself are growing. At least that's how it should be. And then he says this, lo, I am with you always. So this, he's saying, I, even I am with you always, even unto the end of the world Amen. I love in the book of Acts when it gives the, Luke's given the account of this great commission and, and he, he adds even more information talking about the disciples and Christ followers that after the Holy Spirit of God empowers them, you're going to be witnesses. See, we're not doing this in our own strength, right? We're not going out as like salesmen trying to talk people into a gospel, sell people on a gospel, talk people into... A decision. No, it's we're the messengers, but the Holy Spirit of God is bringing the conviction. The Holy Spirit of God is working in hearts, and if if the Holy Spirit is not moving and working, then if we talk somebody into getting saved or even getting baptized, it's meaningless. 
right? Because it starts from the inside. It's a faith, a true, genuine faith in Christ is what saves someone. And that's a work of God. That's a work of the Holy Spirit of God. So today, that's just the introduction, all right? So today, here is really, I'm asking us to do one of two things. I'm asking you to do one of two things today as a church. First of all, I'm asking you to become a disciple. Now, maybe you don't even know Christ personally as your Savior. You're not following Christ. And you're not saved by your good works. You're saved by faith alone. But you know what? The Bible is very clear that if someone truly has experienced a new birth, they've experienced salvation, well, God's going to change the desires of our heart. We're going to desire to follow Christ. In fact, Jesus even said, he says that if you follow me, if you love me, you're going to obey my words. Jesus says that if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And I think sometimes why maybe some people have a hard time of really following Jesus, really growing spiritually, it's that they've never truly experienced that conversion of, of their heart. They've never truly just surrendered to Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've maybe done some religious things or, or, or maybe even, you know, joined the church or signed a card and maybe even been baptized. But there hasn't been a true transformation of the heart. And that's why they don't have a desire to follow Christ. And so I say that not as me like, oh, I don't think you're really like, I don't know. I don't know your heart. I don't know what the struggles are that you have. I don't know. I can't see your heart. But I, I wonder, like, do you truly know Christ as your savior? And for some of you, that's the first step is humbling yourself and, and truly coming to God by faith in Jesus Christ, praying and asking Christ to be your savior. Romans talks about it's with the heart. We believe under righteousness. It says with the mouth, confession is made to salvation for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, some people use that as like, oh, you got to say the sinner's prayer. Well, Actually, that's not really what, what Romans 10 is talking about. Romans 10 is talking about a heart that believes it's that then with the mouth, that person is going to confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord. In other words, they're not going to be ashamed to publicly confess that Jesus is their Lord. Why? Because he's given them a new heart. They have believed the gospel, believed the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and have turned to from sin and turned to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what salvation does. It gives us a new heart and it, it, it causes us to acknowledge, confess, and live like Jesus is our Lord. So I'm asking you today, first and foremost, are you a disciple of Christ? Are you truly a follower of Christ? Have you personally trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And maybe you're here and honestly, you've got some questions about that still. What better day than, than January 1st, 2023 for, for you to get that assurance that you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. So I'm asking you first and foremost, are you a follower of Christ? Are you a disciple? And then secondly, I want to ask you this. First of all, if you're not a disciple, become a disciple. And if you are a disciple, if you know the Lord, are you making disciples? No, not that you're saving anyone, 
But is God using you to make disciples? Well, how does that work? Well, Jesus lays it out for us. First of all, he reminds them. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All authority is through Jesus. This isn't a message we've made up. We're not going out with some made-up message trying to convince people in our own strength. Right? This is a commission. Jesus has commissioned us as a church. So what does that look like to make disciples? Well, he says, go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So go. This is an engagement. Now, here this passage is really saying as you're going make disciples as you're going and so again that doesn't mean we shouldn't be engaging and, and and aggressive as far as like an urgency i guess is a better word to go out and to tell people to meet people to talk with people but when he says go it's he's saying as you're going in other words in every aspect of how you're doing life make disciples the people you work out with at the gym God has put you in their life to open your mouth and give the gospel to them. Now, use discernment, use wisdom, pray for the right opportunity, right? If you're spotting them and they're about ready to drop that weight, you know, that may not be a good time to, hey, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? All right, that might not be real discerning, right? But, but the, the relationships you build with people that, that, you know, that I mentioned at the gym, you know, new year, new, new resolution, right? Well, the, at the gym, if, you're, if, if you have that as a goal, you're at the People that you do life with, at work, people in your neighborhood, your own family that doesn't know the Lord. We need to engage people with the gospel. And here's the thing. Inviting somebody to church isn't the same as giving them the gospel. But I will say this. It can be a good first step. right? It can be one of those icebreaker things. And so that's why, you know, a, a lot of times as churches... We encourage people, invite somebody to come with you. It's not just so, oh, we can have another number, or it's not equating that as like you're giving them the gospel, but it is a good icebreaker for people to come, hear the word, and then that can open up for further discussion that you can have with them. And here's the thing, maybe you feel like, man, I'm not equipped to do that. Well, we want to help you become equipped to do that. If you, if you are saved, if you're a believer, we want to encourage and help equip you to be able to share the gospel with someone. And you know, what is the gospel? Well, it's the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. It's talking about what Christ has done for you, what he's done for, for me, giving the message of the gospel. We need to be engaging. Share how Christ has saved you. Share how he has changed you. And yeah, as a church, that's why we have different out, outreach events. That's why we do things like backpack giveaways and, and trunk or treats. And, and we have Christmas thing. And, and it's not always just in these four walls. That's why we're going out and we're in, engaging in, in the schools and in, in different areas in our city. Because we want to give the gospel to as many people as we can. But you know, the, the biggest, humanly speaking, what, what we see God use most of the time of how people hear the gospel, it's you and me talking to the people we already know. 
and and people have you know spent a lot of money doing a lot of research on this like in the church world as far as what's going to bring people and they have you know all these different outreach and those are great we do those things and we're going to keep doing those things we're going to have the outdoor movie nights and we're going to have, have different events to bring people that we can meet and talk to and just love people and just show people that we truly care like those things are good things but you know the vast majority of people who come to church and who then come to faith in christ what god uses is is your everyday relationships with people the everyday relationships that i have with people who don't know christ people come because you personally invite them People come to faith in Christ when the Holy Spirit of God is working in their heart and drawing them and the word of God goes forward. Absolutely, that is essential. But it's, it's you speaking the gospel. It's you engaging people in gospel conversations. And I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but as I look out here, what's so, so encouraging is to see that those that are sitting in here, you've recently come to faith in Christ and you came because someone in here invited you. Someone in here shared the gospel with you. And that is how we're fulfilling the Great Commission. By engaging, by going, and, and really as we're going, as we're doing life, we're making disciples. He says, go. Again, not in our own ability, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. With the power and sufficiency of God's word to go. He says, go therefore, teach all nations. This is where we get discipling. We're teaching people God's word. And the understood here is that people are coming to faith and believing in Christ. And when someone makes that profession of faith, then what happens? We, we baptize them. Baptize them. That's that pledge of allegiance to Christ. A public profession that you are a follower of Christ. What's awesome is we had 14 people this last year get baptized. We've had over 60 people in just the last, I think, four years here in this building that have, been, that have publicly been baptized. Now, a handful of them were already believers and just hadn't been scripturally baptized. But the vast majority of people that came to faith in Christ and then publicly declared, I'm a follower of Christ. And so maybe you're here and, and you're a believer. You have put your faith in Christ as your Savior, but you haven't been baptized. We want you to get baptized this year. We want you to get baptized. We want you to publicly identify that I'm a follower of Christ. Not because the water in there is going to wash away your sin or save you. No, that happened when you believed the gospel. That happened when God gave you a new heart and the Holy Spirit of God gave you new life. But baptism is that public pledge of allegiance to God. So Jesus says, go, you're going to teach all nations and you're going to baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then it doesn't stop there. He says, then you're going to teach them. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I don't know why I'm even looking at my clock. We just got one service today, so I'm going to take my time today. <laughs> he says, then it doesn't stop with that baptism. Then he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So teaching, this is walking with people, doing life with people and encouraging them, teaching them how to 
walk with God, how to understand God's word, how to live God's word. And he says, teaching all things that I have commanded you. And, and this is important, and we must look at this. This is a process. Now, you're saved the moment you believe the gospel, amen? You have that new life. You have been saved. You have been raised as a dead sinner to new life in Christ. But that discipleship, that growth, the, the sanctification of God making us more and more like himself and more and more holy each and every day, that's a lifetime journey. That's a lifetime process. And as a church, we're to walk with people in that process, teaching all things. So we're not just selective. You, you see that a lot today, right? And, and again, I don't do this perfectly. So I don't want to come across like, oh, I've got, I do this and, you know, I've got this figured out. If everybody would just, you know, get it together like us here, they'd be all right. And, you know, thank God for his grace, amen, in our lives. But a lot of times churches, they're real selective, you know, they, they'll teach some things, but they don't want to teach the hard things. They don't want to actually go verse by verse through a book of the Bible and not skip over those tough verses, right? But here's the thing as we're walking with people and discipling people as we ourselves are growing, we can't be selective. We need to know what does God's word say? And, and that's why the vast majority of our preaching and teaching is we go verse by verse through books of the Bible. You know what? Because it forces us to not skip over the hard things or hard as far as like maybe hard to understand or just it's a hard pill to swallow. You know, because a lot of times it's easy. We want to be God's editor, but God hasn't called us to be his editor. He's called us to be his messenger. That we need to be faithful to preach and teach all things that God has commanded us. Now, of course, let's do it in a gracious way. Like, especially when you're dealing with controversial and hard things. Let's not shy away from it, but we don't have to be jerks about it as believers, right? We need to be gracious. We need to be loving. But by the way, loving is being honest. And sometimes that means we, myself included, man, we need to hear things that aren't easy to hear. We need to hear things and read things that is stepping on our toes a little bit. And this is the beauty of discipleship is we're walking with people through this. This is more than just coming under the sound of, 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 of one voice on a Sunday morning. Though this is part of it. And this is great and this is encouraging. This is needful. This is necessary. But discipleship isn't just coming and sitting in rows. Discipleship is sitting in circles, right? Where we're, we're actually engaging in conversation with other believers, where we are living life with other believers. And we need that. And especially if you're here and you're a new believer. You absolutely, and all of us need it. But you need that. You need to have people that are going to speak into your life. That are going to walk with you through your faith journey. They're going to disciple. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching all things. You know, and I'll just say this last thing about this. This is something that really it, it's, it's, it grieves me and it concerns me when we see so many people that are, are walking away from the faith. And what I find is the vast majority of the deconstruction stories that we hear are one of two things that have happened. Well, one, it was maybe people that were in a church or in an environment 
where it was just really harsh and mean-spirited and arrogant, where there, there wasn't really any grace. There wasn't really any room for, for growth. It was more of like, conform to this immediately, or you're not really welcome. And not that that was the intentional message, but that's what the message that was given. And a lot of times I see people walk away because of just um, an unloving, ungracious, mean attitude that believers or even pastors and leaders have. But another thing that I see is people walk away from church or walk away from their faith because they've had just a very shallow surface level understanding of Christianity. In some cases, not even a true understanding of it. And, and we see that a lot. You guys see that? We're on a weekly basis. Maybe it's a, um, a celebrity Christian, a celebrity pastor or singer, or people that, that they, they claim now they, they don't believe anymore. That once upon a time, they were a believer and a follower of Christ, and now they don't believe. And the reasons they list, the, the reasons they're trying to poke holes in the faith and in Christianity, when we hear that, I, honestly, I scratch my head thinking like, if, if what you're saying, if, if how you're describing Christianity is what you truly believe Christianity was, if that's truly what you believe the word of God says, you didn't have a clear understanding of it. And so what that tells me is this, as a church, we need to be passionate, not just about people you know, coming to faith in Christ and getting baptized. Well, that's obviously the first step and that's necessary. But then teaching God's word, teaching God's word, dealing with the difficult things, the things that are maybe hard to understand, walking with people through those things where they hear that in a context of faith to where we're not ignoring the tough issues. And by the way, especially with our kids, the worst thing you can do the worst thing you can do is not deal with those hard issues, not deal with those hard passages of scripture. Let's walk with people through those things. Let's ourselves be growing in understanding and learning so that we can walk with people through that. It says to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And not just head knowledge, right? Because being a disciple and a follower of Christ, Jesus says, that you're my disciples if you continue my word. He says, if you're obeying, if you're following what I'm telling you, right? Jesus even gave this, this parable, this illustration. Remember about the two houses? One that was built on sand, one that was built on the rock. Well, the storm came. The one on the sand was the devastated. It was destroyed. But the one on the rock stood firm. It's a beautiful illustration. And then he says this, the one on the rock is the people that hear my word and do it. See, teaching and discipleship isn't just about a course that you go through, though I'm not against courses. I've gone through discipleship courses with many of you in here, and I love that, and we're going to continue to do that, but it's more than just knowing it. It's living it. It's living it. See, it's, it's easy to come and, oh, I learned something, but what we try to do is always talk about how does this look in actual life? Like, how do we apply on Monday what we heard on Sunday? Why? Because we don't want to just be a hearer. We want to be a hearer and a doer. And that's where it gets challenging. That's where it gets convicting. Okay, we actually have to live this. But discipleship is living it ourselves and, and walking with people through that journey.
That's what the church has been commissioned to do, to go, to make disciples of all nations. And he says, lo, I'm with you always, right? This isn't in, this isn't in our own power and our own strength. We've been commissioned by Jesus who has all authority. He says, I am with you always. So what does that mean? Well, in closing, in closing, I want to ask us as a church to do three specific things in 2023. Right? This is where now we come to that application. It's easy. To, oh, yeah, man, that was a good message. I agree. But, but let's talk application. As a church, I want to ask us specifically to do these things. And let me just say this. We're doing this. So, so this isn't coming across like, hey, get your act together, church. We need to. No, we're doing this. But we need to make sure we're aligned. We need to make sure we're focused. We need to make sure we continue to do this and we continue to do it better. But three things I want to ask us as a church to do. Number one is this. Be praying and be prepared for hundreds of people to walk through our doors in 2023. Now, again, I know that's not the extent of the Great Commission of people coming to us. No, it's us going out making disciples. But as we're going out, as we're engaging people in conversation, as we're engaging people with the gospel, you know, the, the natural step is that we're going to invite them, hey, come and join us at Crosspoint. And let's be prepared for that. I still got a few minutes. <laughs> it's not them. Our, we need a new computer and all that, guys. So... Everybody looks at everybody looks at these guys and like, man, what's going on? <laughs> My time's up, I think, is what he said. But be praying and prepared for hundreds of people to walk through our doors. Now, ultimately, God's the one that brings people. And what we want to do as a church is be prepared to how do we lovingly welcome and engage people with the gospel as God brings them? See. This takes an unselfish attitude as a church, right? Because it's easy to get in a bubble and it's easy to get into a mindset of, hey, we got this tight knit group. Now that's good. I hope you feel like you know people and love people and do life with one another. That's actually a really good sign. But I always use this illustration. You know what's coming because I use this a lot. The, the family dinner table. Right? We gather as a church. We're coming to the table. We're, we're, we're fellowshipping with one another. But let's make sure we always leave an extra spot at the table. Let's make sure we're always wanting to include someone else to join us at the table. Why? Because we want to see more people come to know Christ. We want to see people become a disciple and a follower of Christ. So as we have a tight-knit family, we need that. Right? Because we want to love and serve one another and serve one another well. Do life with each other. But as a church, let's be praying and let's be prepared for hundreds of people and guests to walk through our doors. What that means is an unselfish attitude. Because it means that sometimes we got to make changes. Now, a lot of times when people think changes, they think of like, oh, this whole different, you know, style of worship or... It, and, and honestly, a lot of times the changes that are the hardest are just the structure of things. But as the family gets bigger, you know what you have to do? You have to change. You have to make adjustments, right? You, you get rid of the sports car. You get a minivan as the family grows. You make some of those sacrifices. 
But as a church, it might mean making sacrifices. It might mean that, you know what, somebody's going to take your seat. Or drink all the coffee when you go and the coffee runs out. You need to get another coffee pot, I think, this year. But it, it might mean that we're willing to make sacrifice. Oh, I got to park a little further. Or Those are good things, though. Those are good things. And, and, and as a church, we've got to have that attitude and that mentality, though, of are we truly prepared to welcome people so we can engage more people with the gospel? It's not about just, oh, we want to grow to this number. And we're not looking at it as like a, um, a business model of, of growth because God's the one that brings growth. But are we prepared as a church to welcome the people that God is going to send us in 2023? Are we going to prepare, be prepared to love and serve them well, to give the gospel? And many times that does take sacrifices. And many times churches aren't, aren't willing to do that. Many times churches aren't willing to make those sacrifices, but I know we are because we're doing it and we have to continue to do that. So number one, be praying and prepared for hundreds of guests to walk through our doors in 23. Secondly, be praying and prepared to have gospel conversations with people in 2023. Because as people are coming in and you're meeting them and talking with them, listen, one of my favorite things is to sit down to meet with people and to give the gospel and to, to, to have those conversations with people. But the thing is, like, it'd be very arrogant for me and selfish of me thinking that I'm the only one that can do that. In fact, it's unhealthy. The pastor thinks he's got to be the only one to do that. But you, as you're doing, keep doing that. Maybe you just feel, like I said, you feel a little bit just inadequate to do that well first of all that's probably a good thing because it's got to be relying upon god's power and strength but we want to help you get to that point where you can share the gospel with someone and we will help you do that but let's be prepared to have these gospel conversations that sometimes means leaving your comfort zone it means talking to people here it is that don't agree with you on everything it means leaving our bubble sometimes. And it means being willing to, to sacrifice, to have these, co these conversations. I want to ask us as a church, let's continue to do this, but let's be prepared to have gospel conversations with people. And maybe it's not even people that are going to come and visit. Maybe it's your own family or friends, or, and that's going to be that first step. They, they may not come into these doors, but let's take the gospel to where they are. Have gospel conversations. And then thirdly, be praying and prepared to disciple and mentor someone to become a mature follower of Christ. And here's the thing. If you're a believer, even if you're a new believer, God can use you to do this. And I was talking about the, the discipleship course. Sometimes I'll go through with people like eight weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks. And I'll always say this. I say, I'll tell them this. I'll say at the end of this. I would love for you to then be able to go through this with someone. And maybe not right away, but eventually you go through this. And what's beautiful is when I see that happening, where you come to know Christ, you grow in your faith, and then you're helping make disciples of other people. And this is also something that means that we have to sacrifice. And sometimes it means that we even say no to a lot of good things. To just eat up our time, eat up our energy, eat up our resources. Again, activities are great. 
I, I love the activities that we do, and we're going to continue to do things and have events and have those things. But let's not make let's make sure we're not confusing just activity with making disciples. Because there's some churches they got activities every day of the week, but disciples aren't being made. They're not baptizing anybody. People aren't coming to faith in Christ. And I'm not saying that as like a humanly speaking, like we make that happen. That's a work of God. But my question to us today, I guess, is this. Are we being obedient, engaging people with the gospel? Are we going out? Are we making disciples? Be prepared to disciple and mentor someone to become a mature follower of Christ. Here's the question. I shared this with some of our group leaders and then in future group leaders a couple weeks ago. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. How can we better serve and disciple the next person that walks in our door? How, how can we better love and serve the next person that shows up in one of our connection groups? How can we better disciple the people that God puts in, in our path? Instead of just thinking, oh, we need to grow by a hundred or grow by whatever. It's how can we minister better to that next person? That God sends to our church. That God puts in our path. A disciple making church. And again it's encouraging to see what God has done in our church. And it's all because of him and his work. But I ask you church. I ask us. I remind us. We need to keep being focused on what it means to make disciples. Be engaging people with the gospel. Be willing to spend time with people, mentor people. And we ourselves need to be growing each and every day as well. Because that discipleship, it's a journey. It's a process. Maybe you're here and you're a brand new believer. Maybe you're not even a believer yet because you just you have a lot of questions. Well, in a few weeks here, we're actually going to start a brand new group. It's going to meet on Thursday night where that's designed for you if you are a brand new believer or Honestly, if you're not even a believer yet and you just have questions about what Christianity even is, we're going to have that. We want to provide more and more of those opportunities. But wherever you're at, I ask you this question. What's that next step God wants you to take in following him? What's the next step? Maybe you're a believer. You put your faith in Christ. He's given you a new heart. He's changed you. Well, have you been publicly baptized to identify that you're a follower of Christ? For you, that's that, that next step is be baptized. Maybe you're a believer and in, you're not engaging others with the gospel. That next step is look for opportunities and pray for opportunities. How you can engage people with the gospel. Maybe for you, it's like there's an area that you can help serve here at Crosspoint on a Sunday. Or some of the things we have during the week. And I, I don't know what that next step is that in following Christ that he's leading you to do. Maybe it's just personally spending time in the God's word and in prayer every day. Whatever that next step is in being a disciple and a follower of Christ, take that next step in 2023. And if you don't know Christ, we want you to come to faith in Jesus Christ this year. We want you to come to faith in Christ today, to follow him, to trust him as your savior. Let's pray.